Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. And to the, to the final part of the series we've been following through this month of January called I Choose. And uh, we've been looking at various aspects of life and recognizing the fact that actually it's the decisions we make that decide where we go. And so the first week we talked about I choose to be a victor and not a victim. Second week we talked about I choose to forgive. Last week we talked about I choose happiness. And this week I want to talk about I choose life, which might sound obscure, but just hang around for half an hour, and I hope you'll see the point of this. I choose life. Last week when we were looking at I choose happiness, I started with a verse in John's Gospel, chapter 15, where Jesus said this. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. And that was the foundation upon which I built the um, whole concept of choosing happiness, that Jesus came so that we could live with a life, a life that is filled with joy, and our joy could be as full as it possibly could. This morning, as I'm talking about I choose life, I want to look at another of the sayings of Jesus in John chapter 10. John 10 and verse 10. A thief is there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Whoa, I'll take two of those. That's what Jesus came for. Jesus came to give us more and better life than we ever dreamed of, more and better than we ever dreamed of. The the Greek phrase that is used there of more and better life is uh, translated by some, a super abundance of life. It's kind of like, I don't think they do this anymore, but you go to McDonald's and you get the small fries, the medium fries, the large fries, and used to be, I don't think think they do them, the supersized fries right? So, so in the days when I frequented McDonald's, I mean, it was like, who's going to bother with small fries? Good grief, that's for kids, right? Look at me, I'm supersized. I'll take the supersized fries, please. And when it comes to the life Jesus offers, hey, you know what? If you offer a supersize, a superabundance of life, if what you want to give me, Lord Jesus, is life that is more and a better life than I ever dreamed of, then put me down for that. And that's what Jesus wants for us. There's a story that once a soldier went to Julius Caesar and asked his permission to commit suicide. And the soldier laid out before the emperor how sad his life was and all the negative things that there were. And Caesar replied and said, man, were you ever really alive? Were you ever 
really alive? Every man dies. Not every man really lives, said the great theologian Braveheart. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. Jesus came to give us real and eternal life, more and better life than we ever dreamed of. But the choice is ours what we're going to pursue or what we're going to be satisfied with. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible tells us this, as you know him better, he will give you through his great power, now look at this, everything you need for living a truly good life. He even shares his glory and his own goodness with us. He will give you everything you need to live a good life. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, I just want to remind you of the kind of life that Jesus wants us all to be enjoying. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, I want to just lay out before you what you're missing out of because you might think you're having a good life, but truth is you're not living yet. Jesus came to give us a full life. But what it comes down to is this. Jesus makes it possible for us. But it comes down to this. I, um, I'm reading a book just now that I've, I've been talking about a lot to folks I met called, called The Energy Bus by a guy called John Gordon. Some of you might have read it. It's been around quite a long time. And, and it, it talks about steps towards uh, living in a positive way and creating a positive environment around you. So it's the whole, the whole bus theme is the general thing, right? And there's 10 rules, but rule number one that gets you started is this. You're the driver of your bus. Now that sounds so simplistic, but it's profound. You're the driver of your bus. Jesus came to give us life like we never imagined or dreamed of, but the fact is you're the driver of your bus. You call the shots. You make the decision. I was, uh, Friday night, I, I was invited to come and talk to our, uh, our youth group, The Corner, and uh, I, I had a really good time with them. So we've, got, we've got some great teens and marginally pre-teens around this place. We really do. And uh, I had a fantastic time. I love being with them and sharing with them. It took me back like years ago when I used to do a lot of youth ministry myself. And uh, it was a great environment to be in. And we've got a terrific team of volunteers who support the Mingo in that ministry there. So it was great to see what they're doing. I've, I've always been enthusiastic about youth work and, and about youth ministry. But let me say a word to those of you who might be around my age, give or take 50 years. 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we do not lose heart. Whatever age you might be and whatever stage of life you might be at today, and particularly those of you, you, you know, who might be thinking the better years of your life are behind you, that's a lie. 
We don't lose heart. We stay encouraged. We stay full of courage. And we recognize outwardly we might be wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Now, the ancient Greeks had two words for new, used here in the word renewed. They had two words. There was new like, I got a new shirt today. You like my new shirt? Oh, okay. All right. I, I thought it was good. All right. So I got a new shirt today. Now, now, one of the reasons I'm wearing this shirt today is I was given a hard time by certain members of our staff last Sunday because I wore a black hoodie. And they said with a black hoodie on, on, on the live stream video, I faded into the background. And so actually I was told, all you can see is a floating head. It's weird. <laughs> And I went online and checked it, and there is. There's a floating head up here and hands down here, and that was all you could see. So today I thought, you know, I need to wear a lighter shirt, so we're good. <laughs> you, you have no idea what's involved here, right? You think you just stand up and talk, and that's the end of it, like, you know. <laughs> so it's the idea of I've got something new. Or, or the other word they used in the Greek language, which is, which is what our New Testament was written in, was there was a word that meant going from one stage to a higher stage, going from one mode to a better mode. Though outwardly we are wasting, inwardly we're going from one mode to a better mode. We're going from one stage to a higher stage. And wherever you are at in life, I know a lot of people throw out the phrase, the best is yet to come. But what if the best is yet to come? What if that's really true? What if that's fact? But so many people have given up on life because they've been beaten up by life. So many people have little vision and little hope because their hopes have been dashed in the past. A lot of people have come to the stage in life where basically maintaining and surviving is what their mindset is, and they're living nothing near the life that Jesus said he wanted us to enjoy, a full life, richer, fuller, better than we ever imagined before a superabundant, supersized, king-sized life. That's what God wants us to enjoy. I, I, as, as many of you know, I spent the first 40-some years of my life in the UK, and, and growing up in the UK, there was something I saw starting to develop, and that was this. I realized that there was a place that people went to when they decided that they were done that they were ready really to check out on life as they had known it. Or if other people decided that they were now surplus to requirement in the world of the young. It was called Spain. <laughs> Warm climate, cheaper, cheaper living, about a thousand miles south of the, kind of like Florida is, right? <laughs> Wow, why didn't I think of that? Um, and it always puzzled me, and I never summoned up the courage to ask, but, but what do you do when you get there? Like, what do you do? But a lot of people check out on life too early. And I'm not talking about moving. I'm talking about still being here, but checked out on life. The fact that Derek Jeter retired when he was 40 and Mike Piazza played his last game for the Mets when he was 39... Uh, doesn't mean that the best of your life is behind you if you've passed those ages. 
See, where do we get the idea that you reach a certain point and you're done? You accumulate a life of wisdom, you accumulate an incredible amount of experience, and then you separate yourself from those who need it because we think the world belongs to the young and stupid. But what the Bible says is this, over the years, we are getting better and better. And though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed. Whatever your age this morning, my encouragement to you is real simple, choose life. Whatever stage you might be at, whatever you might have been through, choose life. Whether you are 24 years old or 84 years old, choose life. That's still God's promise to us, and it's still God's gift to us. And I want to say again, in defense of us people who've lived a little longer than some others, when I had my heart attack last year, it's funny, people always own a heart attack like it was personal, right? When I had my heart attack last year, that's mine, not yours. When I had my heart attack last year, right, they rushed me to Stony Brook. I had the catheterization, and then they said, you know, we cleared the blockage with the catheterization, but you're going to have to have surgery. So they took me to the cardiac ICU, and then I waited there, and they said the heart surgeon will be coming to see you. And I'm laying there, and I'm, you know, I'm overwhelmed by everything that's happened, waiting for the heart surgeon. What I did not want to happen that afternoon was Doogie Hauser to walk in the room. <laughs> right? Right? If you don't know who I'm talking about, there's a TV show in the 90s. He was a child genius, graduated medical school at 14 years of age, and started practicing. I did not need a 14-year-old to walk in that room. I wanted a 54-year-old. Or I'm going to stop there because actually my heart surgeon has been worshiping with us a couple of times lately. I can't see in these lights. He could be here, so I won't accuse him of being... And he's, but you know what I mean? That's who I wanted. And you put that in any area of life. And I'm going to tell you this, in church life too, those with years of life and of experience and knowing God and trusting God and discovering God, that you are an incredibly valuable asset to the body of Christ as a whole. Amen. Hey, Ronald Reagan became governor of California when he was 55 years old. President of the United States when he was 69. John Glenn went back to space at 77 years old. Wow. I love the story about a guy, Hartland Sanders, who grew up on a farm in Indiana, spent the first part of his life in a series of dead-end jobs, and then he got some money, and he opened up a little gas station with a little restaurant cafe beside it. And uh, he delighted in that. He loved cooking in the little restaurant, and he did it for years. And it became a popular stop until they built the, in, they built the interstate. And once the interstate came, nobody was driving down that road anymore, and his business died. He shut up shop. He was 65 anyway. He went home, sat on his porch one day, watched the mailman come in, and brought him his first Social Security check, $99. And he looked at his social security check and he asked himself, is this it? And an idea came to his mind. And he started traveling through Indiana and other states and going to restaurants and saying, I've got a specialist dish I'll cook for you if you like. And I've got a great recipe from my grandmother for chicken. And I'll cook the chicken. 
And if you like it, I'll sell you the recipe. And when Colonel Sanders finally retired, <laughs> he was a very wealthy man indeed. But he'd had the most fulfilling part of his life right then. Listen, outwardly wasting away, inwardly renewed day by day, I choose life. How do, how do we achieve that inward renewal? I like the way you ask me questions on Sundays because then I answer them. How do you achieve that inward renewal? What are some of the steps involved in choosing life? Okay, here we go. You ready? Number one, remember you are bigger than your present circumstances. You are bigger. Life is bigger. God's plan is bigger than your present circumstances. Before Jesus talked about giving a superabundant life, Right before that, he said this in John 10 and verse 10. He said, a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. But notice the first bit. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. There are things that will happen in life that could suck the life from us. People too. We talked about that last Sunday. And the thief, the devil, is just out to steal from us our peace and our joy and our purpose and our contentment. And so there are things that will come up in all of our lives that will be challenging, and some of you will be right there this Sunday morning. But you know what? When life is challenging and really testing, the danger is that we we, we develop tunnel vision so that that is all that we can now see. So that the whole of our life is reduced to this particular crisis and this event that is going on right now and everything else is lost. And the more you look at your problem, the bigger it becomes. Listen, your present situation is not your final destination. Where you're at right now is not where you're stopping. What's troubling you right now is not, about, is not really the whole picture and the big picture of your life. They, your situation will change, but you will still be standing, still be living, and God still has got purpose for you, and God's got a destiny for you. Here's how Paul puts it when he writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians. He says this, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, a couple of you just switched off right there because you said, my troubles are not light and momentary. Um, the man who wrote those words was put in prison for his faith, was beaten and whipped for his faith, knew that ultimately he was going to be killed for his faith. But he called his stuff light and momentary troubles that are achieving for us far more eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, Paul said, you know, whatever we're going through right now, we're going upward. 
We're still looking forward. Because what I'm going through now is not my final destination. This is not where I stay. Life is an upward journey climbing a hill that ultimately leads us to the presence of God for eternity. We keep going. The next verse, he says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It is so easy to get totally consumed, and obviously because we're living now and we're living in the present. It is easy to get totally consumed with what we see right now. My life's fallen apart. This is a disaster. Everything's useless. No future. And while we look at what we see, but the Bible says don't look at what you see. Look at what you don't see. Look at what you don't see. Now, what we don't see is, you know, that's not just talking about heavens. Like, yeah, it's rough down here, but heaven's coming. It's more than that. You know what I don't see? I don't see God's big picture. Nor do you. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to respond. No judgment. Who likes doing jigsaw puzzles? Put your hand up. Jigsaws. Puzzles. Jigsaw puzzles. Good. That's good. There are a lot of other people that are like me. I hate them. Okay. No, really, I, I do. Really, I do. You, you've got to realize this is coming from the guy who walks around here every Sunday morning to make sure every chair is in place and every row is straight. So if you empty a box of a thousand pieces of a jigsaw on a table in front of me, I'm freaking out. You show me the completed puzzle, I'll say, wow, that's pretty. Right? You say, hey, let's do a jigsaw this afternoon. No, let's go and get a root canal instead. It's like, right? I don't don't want to do that. You know, that's, I really don't want to do that. Uh, That's not me. Because, yeah, because it's like, I I can't do it, you know. And and so I'm sitting, you know, you're sitting here. It's what we did on a rainy day when we were kids. So maybe it's the association as well of rainy days. So you sit there with this stupid piece and it fits nowhere. Right, right? And, you, and you're like, look, let's try there. And he's tried there. And, and then if you finish the thing, you can guarantee there's one piece missing. You can guarantee. You look all over the floor and you can't find the one piece. But the truth is, while I look at that single piece and I've got no idea what it fits in, where it fits in, on the lid of the box... There's the whole picture. Listen, we're looking at one piece of our lives right now, but God's got the lid. He's got the picture. God's got the big picture. And we tend to focus on our our piece of life right now. And if you focus on your piece of life right now, you're going to lose out on life. What we've got to do is we've got to be reminded, I am part of something way bigger than I am, and God's got a big picture for my life, and I can't see the big picture right now, but I trust Him, and I believe when I see it ultimately, I'm going to say in theological terms, wow, wow, because God's got that big picture. Psalm 27 and verse 13 says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So how do we make sure we don't lose heart? 
We believe to see God's goodness. When you lose heart, you lose a hold of life. When you lose heart, you give up. But when we believe to see God's goodness, the inner person is renewed day by day. Choose life. Remember, you are bigger than your present situation. The second thing here is this. Refocus on the things that really matter. If we want to live the full life that Jesus promised to give us, we need to refocus on what matters, uh, the things that really count. And the things that really count are not things. Important to get that. I was very happy a few years ago when I was, uh, I was able to buy a, a, a Mustang. It was a GT, low mileage. It had all the stuff. It had you know, the, the rims and the you know, low-profile tires and the spoiler on the back. And it was, you know, and I see, this, I see this in my driveway, and I think, wow, look at me. It was, it was cool. It reminded me also, though, of when I, I got my very first car, which cost $300. And, uh, and it did work wonders for my prayer life. Be, because every morning as I went out of the house, I pray, please, Lord, let it start. But the truth is, I was no lesser a person driving my ancient Ford Cortina than I was driving my Ford GT. I was no lesser person. And actually, they both got, well, the first one let me down a few times, but they go, both got me to where I wanted to be. And the old Ford never got me a speeding ticket. Anyway, we'll, we'll leave it there. You're getting my point? The things that really count are not things, but we can get so consumed with things that we really miss the point. That's why it says, this has been one of our focus verses this last few weeks, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The, the Living Bible paraphrases that this way. It says, don't let this world squeeze you into its own mold. I want to tell you, if you haven't got Jesus, there's a void in your life you've got to fill, and you'll try to fill that void with stuff. And that's the way of life in general, and of folks in general who don't know Jesus. Stuff becomes so very important. But the Bible says, look, don't let it, the world squeeze you into its mold. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've got to be thinking the way God wants us to think, which means focusing life on things that matter. 1 John 2 in verse 17 tells us this, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Whoever does the will of God. What are the things that really matter? Hey, it's pretty basic, and I think you'd all agree with me. Number one, my faith. That really matters. Number two, and I wouldn't have had this in my priorities 12 months ago. Number two, my health. Can't do much without that. Number three, my family. Faith, health, family. Those are things that really matter. 
But refocusing is something that we need to do over and over and over again, prioritizing the things that are of greatest value to us. The thief will always try to steal, kill, destroy. The thief will always try to rob us of that, take us on down some other way, get us some other focus in life, try to, try to get us to, 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 to eat up our time so that we don't give time to the things that really matter. And you know what? If we lose those things, what have we got left? Nothing. Is that a fair comment? Refocus on the things that really matter. Here's how Jesus put it. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 33. He said, steep your life. I like that, steep your life. Is that a word we still use? Soak, right? Is that it? You steep your life. You soak your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. I love that. Choosing life means steeping your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. That's living. And then the final thing I want to just mention to you today is this. If we want to choose life, if we're going to choose life, you've got to refresh the inward person constantly. Refresh the inward person constantly. Now, you've got to refresh the outward person constantly too, haven't you? Yes is the good answer, right? Yeah. Right? We, yeah. you, right? Or, or it's like, you, you're not going to say, you don't even say, hey, I had a great bagel at church this morning, and I had, you know, I had a donut with it too, and that was really good. I'm set for the day. Said no one ever. <laughs> right? No, we refresh the outward person constantly. But the truth is, We've got to give attention to refreshing the inward person constantly too. If we are choosing life, I'm going to live this full life that Jesus anticipates for us, then we've got to refresh the inward person constantly. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 there. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Now, that doesn't just happen. Who does the renewing? We do the renewing. Inwardly, we are renewed. So, how do we renew ourselves inwardly? Well, it's, this is real basic stuff. Number one, we renew ourselves inwardly through worship. On a Sunday morning when we start to worship and the band starts to lead us, what, what I love is, is like what happens there is, is like we're, we're kind of connected again with reality and with truth and with God. Is, is that a fair? Is that a fair? Yeah? yeah? Right? It's like, you know, I, I mean, my, my, my thing is this. You know, sometimes I've had a worship leader say, what do you th- how do you think the worship went today? And it's like, I can only give you my answer because it's subjective. And it was great. Because here's the standard I judge worship by. Did I feel I touched God and did God touch me? And of course, if I don't, it's not the band's fault probably anyway. It's probably my attitude's fault. But anyway, that's a sermon for another day. Worship is a renewing thing. I've heard folks say to me, can we just go a bit longer Sunday mornings? No. No. No, that's it. 
So, no, we don't. We, we go the length we go for, for a reason. We're on a mission here Sunday morning. We exist to seek and save the lost. Those who are lost don't come in here to spend three hours here. So, no, we do what we do Sunday mornings. But I'm going to tell you this. If the only time you worship God is in the opening 15 and 20 minutes of a Sunday morning service, no wonder your life is miserable. You're not living the full life Jesus came to give. Reconnect with God. Connect with God over and over and over again. Be listening to stuff that helps you connect with God. Be listening to music that helps you connect with God. My, sing along if nobody else is there. No, sing along whether they're there or not. But, you know, worship connects us with God. Fellowship is another way in which we refresh the inward person. We refresh the inward person when we connect with people who do us good. Paul wrote in his letter to Philemon, and he said this. He said, I do wish, brother, that I might have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. There are people who just do your heart good, aren't there? There are people all around this place who do my heart good. And I know there are people around this place that do your heart good, too, because that's part of the benefit of being part of God's family being part of a local church is that our connection with each other enriches us and strengthens us and refreshes the inward person. Be careful. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will try to throw everything in its way to keep you out of here, but I want to tell you, we need one another. Fellowship is something that refreshes the inward person. Taking in truth refreshes the inward person. We live in an upside down, totally screwed up world. And in case you hadn't realized that, we do. A totally messed up world. And that's why it's important for us constantly to be reminded of God's truth. And that's why hearing God's Word being taught is so important and so significant for us. That renews the inward person. Did you ever go out of here feeling better on a Sunday? Well, that was, that was good. That's encouraging. We'll, we'll keep it good. We'll keep, no, really, right? Because there, there's something. You, you know, in Ephesians, Paul talks about, he, he talks about being washed by the water of God's Word. I know sometimes as we listen to God's Word, it's like that. It's like, boy, that was like a good shower. I'm good. Yeah? That's why we do what we do Sunday morning. That's why we give time to teaching God's Word. Somebody said to me once, use a lot of the Bible when you preach. Um. Yes. What the heck? What am I meant to do? That's why we do Tuesday nights. I'm really looking forward to this series. We start Tuesday night, repeat Wednesday morning. I, uh, I really like that. Levi Lusco is a, is a real... He's, he's, you'll see the similarities when you see him. He's kind of like me. He's a cool guy. Uh, you know, probably... 40 years old maximum, and a real, and the way he, the way he teaches is, is great. But, but you know, I, I love that. And this series is, you know, every one of us is fighting a battle, and the battle is with ourselves. And uh, Tuesday nights help us to do that. And then personally, just taking in truth, taking in truth. I don't read the Bible for myself every day just to pump up my level of Bible knowledge. I do it because I need to be reminded day after day after day after day of what's what, of who God is and who I am in relationship with God. 
The inward person needs constant renewing. Listen, Jesus came to give us life that is super abundant, that is supersized, but we're driving the bus. We make the decisions. And wherever you are in life and whatever stage you might be at in life, I'll just tell you this. I'm 69 years old and I'm just getting started. Because there's life and the best of my life still ahead of me. And there is the best of your life that is still ahead of you. Wherever you might have been and whatever might have been a part of it, the reality is this. Jesus came to give you a super abundance of life. And my prayer for you all this morning is that you live till the day you die. And you don't die years before God takes you from this earth. I choose life. Let's pray together.